Well, good morning. We are so thankful that you are here this morning. In fact, on the way in this morning, I was counting several of the folks that I knew were going to be out. We've got several who are gone for various reasons and some who are traveling. In fact, some of you know that Bill and Sylvia aren't with us. Uh, they are at the Tyner congregation this morning. They're having a 100-year anniversary or so, and we are uh, thankful that, uh, that congregations like that can be supported. So we've got several who are gone, and I was worried about our crowd being down a little bit. But we are thankful that you are here. We've got an excellent crowd this morning, and we are glad that you have been with us, especially to our visitors. We've got several in our midst. We want you to know that we're thankful you've come our way, whether you're passing through or possibly looking for a home congregation. We're thankful that you are here, but even as well to our members. We've got some who are back with us again. Uh, Brett Lawrence has been working a whole lot, and Miss Ann's been visiting him. We're glad that they're able to be with us this morning, even though they've been traveling some as well. Uh, we've about got all our body parts working again. Miss Ann's back with us. We're thankful she's got her cane, but that her, her hip is better. Uh, Debbie's with us. Debbie's been with us, but don't pat her on the shoulder, but she's got loose of her uh, extra garments there, so thankful that shoulder's almost working. So we hope that everybody's about back in working order uh, through all of the sickness and folks who have been gone, um, but we're thankful that you're here. This is the one of four or five times a year that you hear the preacher say, don't come to services tonight. At least don't come to services here because we will be at the North Hamilton congregation. We really would like for you to be there with us as well. Uh, we will assemble at their building tonight for our uh, Sunday night singing service that we do with them. Uh, and we would love for you to be a part of that. We'll make sure or try to make sure we get our signs up on the door. In case you show up here, you'd have a few minutes to race over there. We'd love for you to be with us this evening at North Hamilton as we come together to sing praises to God. Um, before we get into our lesson, I feel like there are a couple of things because we won't be together tonight. There is, there are a lot of things that are going on here at the Saudi congregation and we're really excited about it. Um, a lot of things that are in the bulletin. Joe did a good job and Joe, I can vouch for the strawberries as well. They are very good. Um, there are a lot of things that are going on that we'd love for you to be a part of, but next Sunday, we won't be here tonight. So don't forget next Sunday, if you are keeping score in your pew there, that is Bible class at 930. We want you here for that. Service at 1025, we want you here for that, a baby shower from 2 to 4, an elders and deacons meeting, that's not for most of you, but at 4.30, our evening service at 6 o'clock, we want you here for that, and then the meal after service is Sunday night for in honor of Tabitha and Harrison and the work they've done here. So that's six different things that most of you can be a part of. Bring your food, bring yourself, bring your family, and we'll have a big day together with it. There are a lot of things going on. And we certainly want you to be a part of that. You know, a lot of times there are topics or lessons that the preacher doesn't consider a lot of fun. Uh, things that aren't necessarily easy to talk about or to consider. It's kind of like you think about talking politics at the Thanksgiving table with your family. Uh, there's things sometimes that, that aren't a lot of fun to consider. But when we come across topics like that, I'm reminded, of course, of the words of the Apostle Paul uh, that are written in Luke chapter 20 in verse number 27, Acts chapter 20 in verse number 27, as Luke records for us there that Paul was not going to have time to meet with the Ephesian elders as he was traveling. So he called for those elders to come and meet him. And as they were having their discussion in Acts chapter 20, specifically in verse number 27, the English Standard Version says it maybe a way that I like a little better, but it's kind of become a mantra for preachers. Because Paul says to those Ephesian elders, for I did not, and again the English Standard Version says shrink, I did not cower, I did not hold back, I did not shrink from declaring unto you the whole counsel of God. And as preachers many times, that's our goal. 
And we have a joke here, we kind of have an inside joke we talk a lot about, about the preacher stepping on toes and that, that kind of thing. But, but as the Apostle Paul said that, that is sort of the banner that preachers want to carry. I will not stop from preaching to you the whole counsel of God on any number of things. And so some Sundays we come together and we talk about the love of God. And that's easy, and that's great, and it makes us feel good. Other times, topics may be a little more difficult, a little harder to talk about, something that does step on our toes, and, and even my own toes maybe from time to time, as we consider things that are harder for us to hear. This morning, we want to talk for just a few moments about modesty and about what the Bible has to say about modesty. What we want to do is take a look at this morning, it's not in your outline if you have your bulletin this way exactly, but we want to take a look at three, what I would call misconceptions, three definitions, and then three principles. Now, for those of you who are math majors, that's nine points, all right, but I promise you we can get through them. In fact, as we think about this kind of topic, I hope that in the, the few months that we've been together, you understand about me already that I'm going to do my best to present the messages, the sermons, with a biblical accuracy, as well with a dose of love. And I hope that you know as well that I'm pretty good at doing it in about 30 minutes or less. So let's get into our nine points. First of all this morning, three misconceptions. Number one, that modesty is only for women. Modesty is only for women. Now note, these are misconceptions. A lot of times I feel it in the room, you hear it, the topic goes up on the screen, and you say, well, you preachers, all you always talk about is too low or too tight or too short, and, and that may be true when it comes to clothing sometimes, but that's incorrect that it's only about women or only for women because this is absolutely a discussion for everyone, men included. A lack of clothes in regards to modesty with our clothing is a lack of clothes whether you're in services or whether you're mowing the lawn. In fact, I would tell you men this, our women have been discussing this. In their class on Wednesday night, they've already talked about modesty. So my goal is not to overlap that, but to make sure that anyone, of course, who's not able to be in the ladies' class, or maybe you weren't a part of that discussion, to understand what the Bible has to say about this matter. As well, we're going to notice in just a moment when we get to the verses, but we're going to notice that when God made clothes, when we read in the Bible that God made clothes, he made it for the man and for the woman. So modesty is not only just for women. Number two this morning, modesty is only about clothing. Again, that's a misconception. Again, I can feel it. You know, you see it sometimes even in eyes. Well, here he goes. He's going to talk about modesty. Here comes the summer clothes talk. And, and even if for those of you who have been to Bible camp, you know the, the regulations. You go, okay, here's the talk. Shorts have to be to the knee and no strapless dresses or clothes or anything like that. You, you may think that it's only about clothing. And you may think that you know what the Bible has to say about modesty. But we're going to get there in just a moment. But there's really one passage. It's not the only passage that the Bible would talk about being modest, but there's really one passage that we usually go to when it comes to talking about modesty. And in fact, you may be surprised what that verse has to say about modesty. But we'll get there in just a moment. Modesty is not only for women, and modesty is not only about clothing. But number three this morning, modesty isn't always black and white. Now notice, we're getting into double negatives here, but notice this is a misconception that modesty isn't only, or excuse me, isn't always 
black and white. Because again, I know what happens, okay? I've sat in the pew as well and grew up as a teenager, I understand. We know what happens a lot of times when we hear a sermon title or topic is we say, well, you know, I have to do it or I have to go swimming, or I I have to play whatever particular sport, we begin to justify in our minds. This morning, we don't have the time. I, I can't speak to every sport. I can't speak to every situation. But I think we would agree. I think you're here because we agree that Christianity isn't a situational thing. And if Christianity is not a situational thing, then maybe modesty isn't either. We sometimes want to say, well, maybe that's just your opinion. But maybe sometimes the Bible is a little more clear, even if it goes against what we tend to believe or what we tend to practice. I think we agree that Christianity isn't situational. It is a lifestyle. Christianity is something we do every day. We show forth every day. And if that's true, if there are things that are wrong for us to say or a certain way to act in the church building... They're not okay when we go to the ball field or the workplace. Christianity is not based on where we are or who we're around. So maybe modesty is the same way as well. If it's immodest in the church building, it might be immodest when we're somewhere else. It takes thinking seriously about these things, seriously considering what the Bible has to say. But I hope that you'll do that with me this morning. These are three misconceptions. It is for all of us. And it is about more than clothing, as we are about to get into. And maybe sometimes the standard is a little more something that we can know and understand as opposed to just conjecture or opinion. Those are three misconceptions. Let's talk about three definitions. This may be hard for you to read. I apologize if it is. But in doing research and considering this lesson, I came across this definition. It says that modesty is an inner attitude of the heart an inner attitude of the heart motivated by a love for God, by a love for God that seeks his glory through purity and humility. But it continues on in that it reveals itself, modesty does in our lives, in our words, in our actions, in our expressions, and yes, even in our clothes. In doing research, I came across this book and this quote. This is from a book called Modesty, More than a change of clothes by Martha Peace and Kent Keller. And when I came across this definition, I thought, you know, we could almost throw this up there and then sit down. This kind of sums up to me what I hope that you can understand from this lesson. It is more than just clothing, but it is an inner attitude, our attitude, our heart, that is motivated by a love of God, but it shows not only through our clothes, but even through our words and our actions and even our expressions. That's what modesty is. Now, Peace and Keller go on and give a a definition for immodesty. And this one maybe has a few more words and maybe harder to read. But again, notice it is an attitude, an inner attitude of the heart that expresses itself with inappropriate. File that word away. We're going to come back. Inappropriate words, actions, expressions, and or clothes that are flirtatious, manipulative, revealing or suggestive of sensuality or pride you know it helps a lot of times to see both sides if we know what modesty is we have to be able to recognize immodesty and immodesty again is from the heart 
But it's not motivated by a love for God. It's motivated, as it says at the bottom, or I don't think it said it on the screen, but it was in my notes, as something suggestive of sensuality or even pride. When we think about immodesty, again, our heart, our attitude shows forth in our words and our expressions, our actions, and even, yes, sometimes in our clothes. But I promise you, we would come to a definition, and I promise you that we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. So let's go to that passage together. 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verses 8 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. If you hear a lesson on modesty, the preacher almost has to use this particular verse. And let's talk about why that may be and what it really is saying here. I have the New King James usually in front of me here in the pulpit. Paul writes to the young preacher Timothy and he says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. But then verse number nine, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now the English Standard Version in verse number 9 in particular says, likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty, and I like the addition here, and self-control. Again, not necessarily an addition, but a different rendering of the words, and self-control, not with braided hair, and gold or pearls or costly attire. And maybe some of you have the King James in front of you. Likewise, or in a man, like manner also, that women should adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair, gold or pearls, or costly array. There's a couple of words that are used here that we would point out as we think about this idea of what the Bible has to say about modest or modesty. The first one is the word that is translated as modest there. Cosmios or cosmios is the word there. We think about that because we get our English word, the cosmos. We think about things being in order or things being appropriate. Things that are appropriate. The word rendered modest is appropriate. More than likely as you got up this morning and you thought about coming to church services, you selected clothing that you thought was appropriate. If I'm going to a funeral, I wear clothes that are appropriate. I might wear a suit, I might wear a coat, I might wear a tie. I would not show up in my shorts and my flip-flops to a funeral because that would not be considered appropriate. As well, we think about if we were invited to Washington, D.C., and you're going to get to meet the President of the United States and get to tour the White House. I don't think they'll let you in if you're in your t-shirt and shorts and in your flip-flops to go meet the President. There is clothing that is appropriate or is modest. But that's not the only word used here. Again, in the King James, there is a word that is called shamefacedness. Translated shamefacedness. The word, the Greek word there is eidos. And again, from the word, we think about a sense of shame, or even with a physical sense, a downcast eye. That our clothing would be worn, our apparel would be worn with shamefacedness, with a sense of shame. And I don't have to tell you that you don't have to go very far down the road to a park 
or to a beach or to Walmart and you'll see people that we would agree sometimes have no sense of shame about their clothing in particular. Shamefacedness deals with our apparel. But notice, notice what is saying, being said here in verse number 9 about modesty. The issue in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9 is not too little clothing. On the other hand, it is actually too much clothing. So when we talk about modesty, it is about what is appropriate. What would give us a sense of shame. The women here in this particular passage are not wearing what we would see in our world today. It's not immodest because there's too little clothing. It's immodest because there's too much clothing. Because of what they're wearing with the braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing is something that is showing a sense of something that is inappropriate. Something that is not shameful, but something that is prideful. So when we consider modesty in these three definitions, it's important that we think about what the Bible is saying here. It can deal with too little clothing, but it also deals with too much clothing or maybe something that can cause us to not be appropriate, to not be with a sense of shame, but to be prideful. But this morning, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, there is a problem with a lack of clothing many times. There is a problem with the clothing that is selected. And what we want to do in these last few moments together is consider three principles that can help us and guide us in our dress. Now, I've got to be honest with you, these are not original with me. Many of you know our brother Cliff Goodwin. Uh, from down in Alabama and heard him in various different places. This is something that I've heard him present. You may have heard it before from him, but there, it's not original with me, but it's too good not to share as we think about our clothing. Modesty, as we said at the beginning of our lesson, is not only about our dress, but it does deal with our dress and our clothes. And again, while Paul was writing to Timothy about these women who may have been wearing too much, most of us would agree, as we said a moment ago, the problem in our world today is not too much, but too little. So does the Bible say anything that can guide us with our dress and with our clothes? Three principles. Number one this morning, the fig leaf principle. If you've got your Bible, you may want to be turning over to Genesis chapter 3. The very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. The fig leaf principle has stated something like this that oftentimes God's definition of nakedness and man's definition of nakedness are not, are not very close together. Oftentimes they are very, very different. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man, as we call it. But as you notice in verses 7 through 11, we see this, what happens, what takes place. And as you know those verses and you look at them, the fig leaf principle comes from this idea that before the fig leaves, they were considered naked. And as you read down through there in verses 8, 9, 10, and even 11, after the fig leaves, they're still said to be naked. Oftentimes, man's definition and God's definition are very different. When Adam and Eve realized that they were naked, they chose clothing. But that clothing was deemed insufficient by God. Which is another way of saying the fig leaf principle. We sometimes choose clothing that God would deem insufficient. 
Now, as we notice, if you have your Bible open there to Genesis chapter 3, you may look over in verse number 21, that also for Adam and Eve, or Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics. You may see the word coats there of skin and clothed them. Now, the principle that we use, and by the way, the director of your Bible camp wasn't necessarily that far off. It, not exactly does God say our shorts have to come to our knee, but the idea behind it, of course, is what we see here. When God made for them tunics or coats, we see that word used later in the Old Testament. When you think about the coat of many colors, that's the same word. In Exodus, we just studied Exodus with our young people, but in Exodus chapter 28, in verses 39 through 42, they're discussing the priestly garments, the garments that the priest would wear, and the same word is used. Generally, we consider that to be from the base of the neck to the top of the knee. That's the type of coat or tunic that we are talking about here. It was something that would cover all areas of the body that might cause a person to have inappropriate thoughts about the person wearing the clothing. Notice in Genesis chapter 3 here with this idea, the purpose of the clothing that God selected after their clothing was deemed insufficient, the purpose of the clothing that God gave was not just to protect the body from the elements, but it was to protect the eyes. It was not just to protect the body from the elements, but it was to protect the eyes of people who might be looking and do look at people from time to time. The fig leaf principle states that oftentimes what God says and what man says are very far apart. And as we know, as we're trying to do here this morning, we're trying to get back to what God has to say. Number two, and I'm going to kind of apologize now. I don't mean to be inappropriate myself. I'm not trying to say anything here. But the second one is very simply called the underwear principle. And it's stated like this. If you wouldn't wear it down Main Street, then chances are that you shouldn't wear it on the boardwalk. I don't know that we have boardwalks so much today, but we have beaches. They're heavily populated, and many people attend there on vacation. But if a woman, in particular, let's say in this case, were to wear something on Main Street through the town square, and people were to look and want to cover her up and say she is naked, why would it be okay on the boardwalk? Again, there's a second way to say that, and that is that geography does not dictate modesty. Geography does not dictate modesty. And I'll even give you a third one. A third one that I think is maybe a little more important or a little more relevant to us today is that a change in fabric does not change the definition of modesty. Again, I don't try to be inappropriate, but the, the piece of clothing that a woman or a young lady would wear around her waist, if it's cotton... We call it underwear. But if it's neoprene, all of a sudden it becomes okay to wear out in front of anybody and everybody to see. The change in location does not change the de definition of modesty. The change in fabric does not change the definition of modesty. If you wouldn't wear it down Main Street, then maybe you should consider that you wouldn't wear it down the boardwalk. The third principle this morning is the package principle. The package principle, which says very simply that our clothing represents or presents an image to the world and an image and represents an image before God. Or, as Peace and Keller said, an attitude before God. That our clothing represents an attitude toward God. When you think about a first impression, a first impression is always based on two things. 
A first impression is always scientifically based on two things. Number one, when you look at somebody, what they're wearing. And then number two, how they speak. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, there on the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to be a light, that we are to be a city that's set on a hill, that we are to be the light of the world. Why does he say that? Why does Jesus say that? He goes on to tell us that they may see, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's why our package means something. That's why the way that we look represents something and presents an idea to the world. Because so we can glorify our Father who is in heaven. Again, recently in doing research and thinking about this lesson, I heard a preacher tell a story. He had read it in a book about another preacher who had been on a bus with a prostitute. And they had taken a bus ride together, so the preacher took the chance to talk to her. And they talked about the brothel where she worked. And in the course of discussing things, and he wasn't trying to convert her, but just trying to understand a little bit more. But in the course of the conversation, she told him there were five things, five different ways that her or anybody that she worked with at the brothel would try to draw in customers, try to get men to get, to get their attention, the attention of the men. By the way, the first one that was the least effective was to reveal the entire body. She said, that's the least effective, just to reveal the entire body. In order of success or, or that they would better for them from there. Number two, to conceal it and reveal everything else and draw attention to what is left covered. Number three, to reveal just a little bit, just a hint, just a glimpse. Number four, to cover your body tightly. No skin, but make what you have on so tight that it shows your shape or form. Number five, and the most effective that she found in her source of work was to cover your body, but to cover it thinly. To cover it thinly with a sheer material. Not to show it all, but to partially cover it. When we think about the package principle and the image that we show forth into the world, we kind of go along the same lines. Because oftentimes we're trying to draw attention to ourselves. To be completely naked, as we might say, would be too easy. Let's just show a little bit. Or something that is too low or too tight or too short. The question this morning as we consider modesty in these three principles is, does God care about my clothing? Modesty is in a lot of ways about our clothing. And you may be sitting there thinking, does God really care about my clothing? I would submit to you what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. You know the passage. Peter says that God has given us, given unto us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. If we want to know what we should wear, it's in there somewhere. God has revealed to us how we should dress. You may say, as we said earlier, well, modesty is just your opinion. Friends, I say it with all love. I say it with all love, but that's incorrect. Because God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us the way that we should speak, the way that our actions should show forth, and yes, even how we should dress. As we conclude this lesson, a couple of other points, and the lesson will be yours. In doing my research, I came across another quote that I just had to share, but again, it's not original with me. Modesty is about a heart line, in addition to being about our hymn line. We've talked about clothes, we've talked about these three principles, but I want you to understand that again, with all my heart and as much love as I have, I mean it. Modesty is about our heart line. 
It's about our inner attitude. And our attitude towards God. In addition to being about our hymn line. If you still have your Bible, notice one more time, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 8 through 10, specifically verse number 10. I put it on the screen here, but, and I fixed it to what I think maybe it's saying and what you can take from this lesson. Paul says, continuing on, not with the broided hair and the pearls, but what is proper for, and he says women, but I would say to you this morning, all people who are professing godliness. Are you here this morning because you're trying to profess godliness? Then God does care. And it does matter about our hymn line, but maybe it matters more so about our heart line. Paul said it as well to those in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. And if God has called us to holiness, we can obtain it. We can get there. And we have to show it forth in our lives. Hear me at the end of the lesson here. I'm not saying, I am not saying that a one-piece bathing suit is okay, but a two-piece is not. I'm not saying that, that volleyball shorts are not okay, but basketball shorts are. I'm not saying that sweatpants are perfectly fine, but, but yoga pants or leggings are not. They're sinful. What I'm asking you to consider this morning is what God, through His Word, has to say about being appropriate in our dress and in our life and in our spirit and our attitude. I'm asking you to consider what God, through His Word, has to say about covering our bodies, not just for the protection from the elements, but also to protect the eyes of our young men and our young women and all men and women. I'm asking you to consider what God, through His Word, has to say about preferring others and considering other people when we choose our clothes in the morning, when we choose what words to use, when we choose what actions to take. That we would practice modesty at all of those times. Modesty is about our dress. It's about our thoughts. It's about our speech. It's about women. It's about men. It's about kids. Because if you don't think the over-sexualization of America is in front of our eyes and our young people's eyes at all times, then I would ask you again to consider what you see on the television, what you hear on the radio. It's about all of those things. As always... If there is anything that you would like to discuss further, my door is always open, my phone is almost always on, but, but let's talk. Let's talk about it. Because I hope again, as I said at the beginning, that you have given me a little respect in that, that I have earned your respect, that we can talk about what the Bible has to say about things even such as modesty. But as we conclude our lesson this morning, we do so with the Lord's invitation. Which, of course, is always a little weird. I know, always a little weird after the lesson on modesty. And everybody says, well, I can't respond to the lesson on modesty because, you know, somebody's going to think I've been immodest. The Lord's invitation is always open. And we extend it at the end of every lesson, whether it's about modesty or God's love, whether it's about gambling, whether it's about adultery. At all times, we open God's invitation because it's always open. And as we're gathered together and this song has been selected, we offer you the chance, if you stand in need, of obeying God's simple plan of salvation, that you would not delay, and even because the lesson is about modesty, because it is the most important decision that you can make even this day, to become a child of God, to be baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church. But maybe you've done that. And again, you've wandered away. Maybe there's sin in your life. And again, you think, well, the lesson was about modesty or about lying or about something. I can't respond. Friends, do not delay. If there is something to miss in your life, we will be singing here in a moment to implore you 
to beg you, not because we are asking, but because God is saying, my door is open. Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. If you're here this morning, you are a Christian, but you need to come back to him. We'll be singing to encourage you as well. Maybe there's something else. We even detailed a lot of the good things in the world today, the good things in this congregation, but we are all still struggling. Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation to lift you up and encourage you in some other way. It's for all of those reasons that we'll be singing to encourage you. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?